You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I got some good news. I got some bad news. Um, First of all, hopefully, by now, yesterday's episode is actually up properly. I have no idea what the heck is going on. I've been talking to the hosting company since forever and they're just getting back to me like once an hour with stupid responses that are not helpful whatsoever hey send me that file you send it it's like oh it can't handle hardly anything in the platform like yeah it's too big dummy what am i supposed to do now i i what did i send that i sent that an hour ago no response file's too big what do i do i don't i don't know i don't know if this thing's ever gonna work but hopefully yesterday's episode is working anyways the good news is we got some news, man. We got some stuff. We got the head coach talking about the team. We got the team going out, throwing passes, catching passes, being crazy. The bad news is we are in the dead period in the dead period. You know how, like, you go into the ocean and the ocean's all deep and scary and mysterious? But then there's, like, the ocean ocean. You know what I mean? They got that shelf out there or whatever they call it. We just hit that. There's no sunlight for, like, five weeks. So my thought, and this obviously could change because you understand fully how this podcast works at this time. I do exactly what the heck I feel like doing in the moment. But what I feel like doing in the moment, which may change tomorrow, I want to start off by really, really getting a firm grasp on the Green Bay Packers. Because I think one of the things that maybe I don't do as well as some other podcasters, YouTubers, whatever, I like to live in the realm of theoreticals. That's why I'm really bad with, like, you know, remembering who did what. Like, two years ago, Devontae caught a pass over the... Like, I don't... I, dude, I memory dump everything. And I, I, I really like to live in, the, in this sort of big picture kind of a realm. And a lot of the smaller variables don't really impact the big picture whatsoever. The, the number seven wide receiver has no bearing on the big picture. And I like big picture. I think most people like big picture. But it is important to kind of really make sure we understand, first of all, who's on the team, where they came from, the odds of making the team, the potential of them making an impact on the team, things of that nature. Because far too often, names come up and I'm sitting there going, I'm not entirely sure who that is. That shouldn't be a thing. Again, I'm, I'm more than content with what I do and how I do it. 
I understand that I have certain talents in certain areas and certain areas are my weakness and I usually just stay away from them. But I got to be able to do that. I have to get at least a better understanding and I can't give you a better understanding if I don't even know what the heck is going on. So that is a big focus that I want to take on um, during the dead period. Once we've kind of got that firmly established, I want to kind of move outward a little bit in terms of, you know, for example, we'll start looking at a 53. We'll start looking at what the team um, generally does in certain situations. Granted, this is a very unique situation, right? We've got way more youth, brand new quarterbacks. So the way that we've done things over the last 15, 20, 30 years, however long, probably doesn't really apply, but we can kind of start to look at those sorts of things. And then from there, we can kind of branch back out into looking at the other teams in the division, getting kind of more big picture, et cetera, et cetera. And we're actually going to start that today because another name came up. We've already talked about him, but his name is not going away. And as much as I usually hear these things and I go, yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. Somebody's going crazy. Yeah, I know all about it. He's going to be so good and then he's going to vanish and he won't even make the 53. I know all. Still, we're going to start by looking at the guy. We'll get there when we get there. However, today... What I want to do is go through training camp. Again, I'm going to go over to Twitter. Thank you to the people who are on site doing all the tweeting out, letting us know what's going on. Green Bay Packers do not allow cameras or anything. So if we didn't have them, and, and I've said this before. I don't think I've said it this year. I've said it in the past, though. I also monitor, for example, Chicago Bears, Detroit Lions, Minnesota Vikings training camps. There is nothing like the Green Bay Packers. I'm, I'm, I mean, if you look at the Detroit Lions, nobody... You have no idea what's going on in training camp. Nobody's tweeting anything. Training camp will start, and you'll be like, okay, it's starting. Here comes like this flurry, like every second of a new tweet, a new thing that happened, crazy. And then a couple hours go by, and somebody tweets out, uh, training camp is over, here's my article. What? Bears do a decent job, but it's not on the level of Packers beat. Vikings are probably not even quite that good. So um, the point is... I'm very appreciative of the guys that we have who are super passionate and excited. And um, as I said, when the doors open, you need to be there, and that's what they do. When the doors open, they go flood in there, and they don't just hoard all the information so that they can write their articles and make money. They're tweeting it out for free so we can all see it. So anyways, big thank you to those fine folks out there. This is actually just daydreaming yesterday. It's never going to happen, but sometimes I like to daydream about things that will never happen. I was daydreaming about someday... um, in the near future, selling my home, moving up to the Green Bay area, getting one of those houses that's like walking distance from the stadium, and then uh, figuring out how to get me a press pass and become one of those uh, people. Not that I ever want to ask questions or anything, because I don't, but I just want to be able to do that. So again, never going to happen, but spent a lot of time looking at houses, visualizing, like doing videos from my backyard, got the barbecue, you know, my grill rolling. Behind me is freaking Lambeau Field, making a delicious pork butt, doing a live stream talking about the Packers. Oh, yeah. That's the dream. Anyways, I would start with the Matt LaFleur press conference, but those always take a lot longer than I think. He talks for almost 13 minutes, and then my commentary is probably three times as long as what he actually says. So that's going to be almost an entire show. So I'm going to say we've got a bunch of locker room stuff. We've got Matt LaFleur, um, one or two press conferences. We can save that for tomorrow, next day, whatever. I just want to focus on uh, some of the notes from training camp. Training camp was held outside today. The weather was much better today, but um, it was just walkthrough. So, you know, he said that everybody's in, in fantastic shape, about the best shape that he's ever seen. Again, I think youth plays a big part in that. 
but he's basically saying we're going to kind of take it easy. We're not going to push it. The installs are done. This is all just kind of review, making sure everybody understands where they're at. Um, as far as dates, uh, again, the dead period will be for quite some time. Uh, July 21st, uh, quarterbacks and injured players will report to camp. The official report to camp day for everybody else is July 25th. The Packers' first practice will be July 26th. So, we got some time to kill. That's for show. But again, my goal is by the time the 26th rolls around, we have a very well-defined understanding of what the team is and what it is that we need to know from the team. Uh, a couple other little interesting notes here. I saw there's going to be a Netflix series coming out July 10th that covers Mahomes, Cousins, and Mariota, which I actually think is going to be kind of interesting. By the way, speaking of Netflix, first of all, I saw Arnold Schwarzenegger did some kind of like documentary thing and narration, autobiography, whatever you want to call it, and uh, it's freaking awesome. I go back to Netflix today to just see what's on there while I'm waiting for this stupid freaking computer to boot up, and... Um, I just see Terminator 2 just staring at me. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I watched three quarters of Terminator 2 before I got this started. So Netflix is, is uh, I've been kind of impressed with some of the movies that they've had on there recently. And now they got Terminator 2. It's like, dude, what are we doing here? Now we got this football thing. That's pretty crazy. Also, speaking of quarterbacks, and I'm sure I'll see it on here somewhere so I can get you better information, but just in case I can't find it and I didn't save it on here, um, apparently Jordan Love, Justin Fields, and some other people are actually going to be working out together. See, I might have bookmarked it. I did not. Anyways, it, I, I find it very cool. If for no other reason than, you know, the, the comments came up from Matt LaFleur. Again, this isn't necessarily for today. But they're talking about, like, what do you say to the guys? Because, you know, obviously you don't want them going out and not only just getting in trouble, but you don't want them just not caring about football and staying focused and staying in shape. And, and you know, and um, it's just good to hear that QB1 has already got official plans and he's going out with some other quarterbacks and they're going to go out and grow and get better together. Rivalry be damned. If Justin Fields can make Jordan Love better and Jordan Love can make Justin Fields better, I don't care. Go out there and get better. If I had to choose between Love and Fields being garbage and Love and Fields being great, give me great and a freaking awesome rivalry and let's do this thing. It's not even a debate. I mean, I'm I'm 100 billion percent on board with that and I will take all the shrapnel from every Bears fan that's, you know, pulling my receipts left and right. I will happily take that. Ha! There it is. Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields will be doing a football camp this weekend in France with Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love and Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. That last part makes me a little nervous. I recommend not only separate hotel rooms, but maybe separate hotels. Just flat out. But, I mean, look, obviously it's ridiculous. There's nothing in France that's special as far as learning to be a quarterback, so it's some kind of a vacation. But you know what? It's a football camp. And they're going. And that's all I care about. And stay away from Deshaun's hotel. I'm just saying. I'm sure he's a splendid fella, but I don't think we should risk that. You know what I mean? Anyways, just starting to get into some of the notes here. Uh, according to Andy Herman, it looks like uh, Tay Wicks either dropped out of practice or was limited yesterday, but he's back at practice today, so good to see that. I'm always surprised at how many people are injured. I'm sure they're minor things, but like, dang, dude. You guys are like athletes in peak physical condition. What are you doing? You like twisting your ankle or what? It's always a lot of people. First personnel note from Paul Brettel. Zach Tom going through individual drills as a center with the ball, but the, uh, that has been the extent of his time there, mostly at right tackle and some right guard with the twos. So again, they're, they're, 
they're mixing stuff up, trying to figure out the best five. I think we know the best five. The biggest competition is going to come down to the right tackle spot between Yash Nyman and Zach Tom. However, they want to know if Yash does, for example, win that job, would we be better off with Zach Tom at center, Zach Tom at right guard, etc., etc.? Because that's the thing. They really like Zach Tom, and it kind of sucks to have him as a backup if you see him as a potential starting tackle. That problem may solve itself in the future, but for this year, you really would hate to see him sit on the bench. And that goes for Nyman, too. So, you know, mix it up, see what the best five looks like. Ryan Wood says, Packers have perfect attendance on the final day of mandatory minicamp, even Jonathan Garvin. It's so funny that that's become like a, a running joke. Hey, Garvin decided to show up. Other than those injured or excused, uh, people not practicing, Dallin Levitt, Eric Stokes, Tavarius Moore, Rashawn Gary, Jake Hansen, Tyler Davis, Grant DeBose, Chris Slayton, have not seen more. Now, the injuries are, are not a big deal right now, but when training camp rolls around, if these guys still have injuries, it'll be kind of important to understand what the nature of the injuries are, because some of these guys are going to lose jobs based on that. You know, it's one of those unfair things, but we've got guys coming up. We got younger guys with higher ceilings, or, or maybe they just maybe have a higher ceiling. Like, we've seen what you've done for two, three years, and if you can't even get on the field, we like you, but, I mean, you, you got to win the job, and you're not winning it, you know? So, you know, I mean, I'm assuming Dallin Levitt isn't going anywhere, but we got a lot of safeties. Uh, Tavarius Moore, maybe Jake Hansen. I mean, he he was pretty god-awful. And if Zach Tom doesn't get that tackle spot, and even if he does, you know, if, if Myers goes down, it could just be Zach Tom goes center and Yash comes in and plays right tackle. You know what I mean? It used to be Jake Hansen was the only other guy that could play center on the freaking team. Uh, Grant DeBose, seventh round pick. You think they'd give him a shot, but you got to be on the field. You know, Chris Slayton, Tyler Davis. I don't know. Again, lots of videos on social media. Make sure you get on there and check them out. They're always fun to see. A lot of pass rushing drills. Uh, I remain amazed by Christian Watson and Lucas Mus- or Luke Musgrave. I keep doing that because of Lucas Van Ness. Those, those two guys just freaking blow me away. I mean, I, I like Jaden Reed a lot. I like Romeo a lot. I like Tucker Craft for what he is. I like a lot of these guys, but when you watch Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave move, good Lord. Um, got a little bit extra from Brenton Cox. It'll be a lot of fun to kind of break him down a little bit further. We talked about him very, very briefly. Um, I had somewhat of a negative take. I know everyone's pretty high on him as far as like, almost like he's guaranteed to make the team because he's this massive freak that only fell for some stupid reason, but he's like, a, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll look at it a little bit closer, but, um, he has been making a little bit of a name for himself. People are definitely impressed by him and, 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 you know, like everybody, I hope it works out because why, why would you not want that? Right. You find some diamond in the rough. That's awesome. You know what else I noticed about Jaden Reed that I really like? And I think I talked about this before when I talked about Jaden Reed is he he has this thing. And I'm sure there's like a name for it or whatever. I, I don't know the names for stuff. I don't care. I just describe things. I just use plain English and I pretend it's because you guys are dumb. <laughs> but I, I've described this before and I know you've seen the video. So, so bear with me. But there was a touchdown to Devontae. They were in the goal line. It was on the left side of the field. And Devontae breaks to his left, and he gets some separation. He does a little small cut to his left again. He gets bigger separation, and he does one more cut again. And just by using those angles, somehow he ended up with like 10 yards of separation, and that defensive back just could not do anything to get anywhere near him. I've seen Jaden Reed do that. I'm watching a clip of him right now. And 
he breaks to the left, and then there's just another cut on top that it's it's so subtle you almost don't even see it. But I, I really feel like that is another really impressive tool of his. Just a way to kind of build that separation in a way where you, you don't even fully understand how he's doing it. And I, I remember specifically watching him do it in a game. And it's almost like, rather than saying, you know, he, he runs his route, you know, at, at the exact right angle and then cuts in a little bit further. It's almost like, let's say you're, you're trying to get to 45 degrees, which just make stuff up here. And he does like 30 degrees and then 15 as a way of kind of pushing the DB out a little bit further and then finishing it in a second movement so that the DB is not really covering at the right angle or something. You know what I mean? And it just seems intuitive that he, he just runs that way. Nope, JJ texted me. He said he fixed it. So yesterday's episode should be working. Uh, make sure you go back and listen to that. Um, we've got Nixon and Reed alternating punt return attempts. Again, I think Jaden Reed is a prime candidate as a punt returner just based on the way that he plays. It's just kind of a question of, you know, is he a guy that you want actually taking those reps? I think the Packers are in a play style where they would give it to him. They would, you know, risk the injury. I mean, it's not like Keyshawn Nixon isn't a pretty pivotable, pivotable, pivotal player for us. Talking about slot corner and slot receiver is basically the same thing. So I, I, I genuinely think the best situation, although Nixon, uh, yeah, Nixon could easily win the job over Reed. But I, I think ideally Nixon is your kick returner. Reed is your punt returner. But Reed has to be able to prove that he can actually do it. We haven't seen him prove that. Uh, Nyman first up at right tackle today. Still very much a competition between him and Zach Tom. I believe that's the first time, at least as far as the public practices, that we've seen that. Usually it's been Zach Tom. Obviously they're swapping out a lot, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a big competition there. Half speed team. Campbell just uh, got a pick. Ryan Wood says, uh, first walkthrough rep. Jordan Love throws an interception to Devondre Campbell, intended for Christian Watson. Keyword walkthrough. Paul Brettel says, Justin Hollins again starting at edge rusher. So we had that one day where Lucas Van Ness came out, and I thought that was it. Like, you know, it was just sort of a kind of like where Lucas Van Ness wasn't a starter in name out of respect. I thought it was one of those things. Like, Hollins, you're 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 building him up, and you're kind of taking Lucas Van Ness down a couple pegs. Like, look, you got to earn it here in Green Bay, son. And then they go through like seven practices, and they're like, all right, just give him the job. Nope, he started one day, and then they kicked him back down, and Hollins is that dude, which, I, again, I it's not even a Lucas Van Ness thing. I am just kind of stunned at what I interpret to be the Packers really, really liking Justin Hollins, and that's another guy I really need to dig into. I barely even remember the guy from last year. I know we brought him in. I remember that they seemed to like him in a way that was a bit surprising, and that certainly remains. So that's one of the guys I definitely need to dig into. Because, look, if, if the Packers are signaling to us very strongly, we really, really like this guy, we need to listen, you know? I think far too often we look at it and just go, yeah, 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 why, why do you keep putting him on? Get out of here. Where's the other guy? Where's the other? They're trying to tell you something. That may change, I don't know. But as of right now, they're, they're communicating very clearly, no, you don't understand, this dude is solid. Herman's got some updates on the starters. We already knew a couple of them, but Jordan Love, Jones and Dylan, Musgrave, Watson Dobbs, and then Bakhtiari Jenkins, Myers, John Runyon, and Yash Nyman. On defense, Hollins, Clark, Slayton, Smith. That's your defensive front. Again, nothing surprising about that with the exception of Hollins, and I suppose you could say Slayton. The one thing that I was kind of thinking about today, you know, Slayton plays a different position than, than, um, than Wyatt does. And so it's not necessarily that Slayton is ahead of Wyatt. It may be, but it also just depends on the formation. 
you know, I don't know what those fronts are called. I can't remember, but it's a four-man front, and generally you've got your two edge rushers, and then you have a defensive end and a nose tackle. A lot of defenses run that, whatever it's called. Well, that would be this. Wyatt isn't a nose tackle. He's a defensive end. So that all depends. Then at linebacker, Walker and Campbell. At uh, corner, Douglas Nixon, Jair. Safety, Ford and Savage. I know there's, we're always talking about safety like it's some kind of a potentially big competition. It really hasn't been even once. Savage is by far the number one guy. He's never been rotated out as the number ones. Ford, I think, has been a couple times, but never to start. It's always Ford to start. Then it seems like Owens is sort of the third option, and Moore is not participating today. Carlson, good from 33, 37, and 39. More on that in a minute. One interior defensive line configuration on what ended up uh, being a running play was Wyatt Slayton Wooden. Of course, you want Clark out there as much as possible, but he also can't play every snap, which is true. There's, there, it's a highly rotated position. Clark is going to be out there more often than not. But what does it look like when he's not? Well, there's one iteration. First play of seven on sevens. Musgrave gets outside of Campbell for a nice pickup. He's going to be such a mismatch piece for this offense. And that really is true. You know, if you think about it, if you've got a tight end and it ends up being man coverage, I think very few linebackers are going to be able to keep up with him. Just on, It's not even, we always just think about running down the scene. What about just running in the flat? Linebacker ain't going to get there. So he's not only going to be able to get away from him, he's going to be able to get around him. So I tell you what, man, the, the more I look into this, I feel like Musgrave is primed to be a massive weapon. You know, we're focused on Romeo Dobbs, and that may be the case, but Musgrave just makes so much sense. Again, we got to see what Tucker Craft does and, and how this thing all comes to be. The, the running backs could be a really good safety valve for him as well. But Musgrave just really just makes a lot of sense to me. Jair with tight coverage on Dobbs and a quick comeback, but looks like Dobbs dropped that one. Would have only gone for a few yards anyway. Some other people said that it looks like Jair broke the pass up. Ryan Wood says, tight coverage from Jair Alexander against Romeo Dobbs on an out route to the left side. Focuses, uh, forces an incompletion. Alexander lets Dobbs near, uh, hear it after the drop. Dobbs waved him off on his way back to the huddle. Going to be a fun battle in camp. Love looking left the whole time, comes back right, and immediately finds Malik Heath on an in-cutting route versus Douglas. Another day, another nice Malik Heath play. If you didn't uh, figure out who I was talking about that we are going to talk about today, that's our guy right there. Continually, we've talked about Malik Heath, and I don't think he's really been covered in any sort of depth on this podcast, so we're going to go ahead and make sure that we rectify that situation. Anyways, continuing, after slightly missing Ture on one play, Love's come, Love comes back and fires to Ture in stride over the middle for a big pickup. Owens, the closest defender. Then, our brand spanking new kicker, Carlson, good from 38, 40, and 42. So, 6 for 6 on the day. That makes him 11 for 12. I'm not mad at that. Jair breaks up a pass to Romeo Dobbs, immediately turns to him and yells, Come on, man, come on. Ja says it's his job to make it hard for them. Romeo, coming out of his shell this year, waves him off as jogging away. Now Jair's jawing at Jordan Love. Love gives it right back as he steps into the huddle. Says he can't hear anything. They'll get a chance to continue that all August. Little summary from Paul Brettel during the first 7-on-7 session. Musgrave, he got past Campbell on a crossing route for a catch. Alexander pass breakup versus Dobbs. Quick throw to DeGuara in the flat. Love's find, Love finds... Why do I keep saying Love's... Love finds Heath over the middle, working through progressions from left to right. Pass behind Ture, strike to Ture in the next play. A few plays with just Quay at linebacker and 11-on-11 walkthroughs. Three interior defensive linemen, two edge rushers, Nixon in the slot. Uh, Ballantyne and Alexander are on the boundary with Savage and Owens at safety. 
Tom is now at center with the second unit as they go through the two-minute drill. Final play of two-minute for Etling, and he has Cotton wide open for the winning touchdown, but it's overthrown and falls incomplete. Defense wins the drill. Jair Alexander ends the two-minute drill with an interception. Love was looking for Watson, but appeared that the two weren't on the same page. Easy interception for Alexander. After two tips, Ennis Gaines ends the Sean Clifford two-minute drill with another pick for defense. Defense goes 3-0 versus the offense in two-minute drill. Etling had the best chance, but missed Cotton for the win. Cassidy Hill summarizes the day as bad day for the quarterbacks, good day for Jair Alexander. And that is it. That wraps up training camp for the day. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Please remember, uh, I've got a GoFundMe pinned to the top of my Twitter. If you have any way of giving any amount of money, it would be very, very greatly appreciated. I see a lot of names that I recognize, uh, longtime supporters, so it's really great to see that on top of several, obviously, anonymous donors. Um, we are at 44.75, which is already pretty fantastic. Long way to go to reach their goal, and I'm confident that they're going to reach their goal. I mean, we had this before with the other things that we've supported in the past. It may take a while, but we'll get there. What I would like to have happen, if at all possible, is to have us reach this goal before the players come back. So I'm not sure how to do that, but we'll figure something out. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Hit me up on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. You can also find Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry at fertilegroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing slab packs from arenaclub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Continuing the progression I've made so far, just keep going. How do you feel like your leadership has grown? QB1, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Best Come QB on. in the league right What's now. What's up, man? John Money? Now tell him stop trying me, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, John. So this is this is it. Right? This is what we're talking about in terms of that chemistry that we've been looking for in that locker room. Guys getting along, guys having fun. Now, that can go too far. Don't get me wrong. Again, this is the whole thing where, you know, you, you go from one side of the, the spectrum to the other. You get too far in one direction, and I think the Packers did, and they need a little bit of this. We just got to make sure that we stay focused, which is why I'm I'm super excited about it, but I'm also more vigilant about the, like, oh, what are you doing in the offseason, man? What are you doing? Like, I Rodgers needs to to do these things because I want him to care, right? Like when Rodgers was here, same with Bakhtiari. If they don't do it, I'm not worried about their ability to perform. It might suck week one or whatever, which is not okay in a, in a given the limited amount of times that we actually play games. But it, it more has to do with like your attitude toward the team, your leadership, what you're demonstrating to people, what that does to the locker room. I don't really super, I guess, care about you performing. With this stuff, though, it's like, we really need guys to become something. Because as much as I have optimism about a lot of these guys, none of them have really arrived. Watson hasn't, Dobbs hasn't, Love hasn't. I mean, some of the guys got paid like Jair, and that's where you kind of you worry when you got a guy that's willing to give up $700,000 to take a couple days off. You know, that makes me a little nervous. But I like it. I like the, uh, I like the energy. I like Jair just jumping on, on uh, Jordan Love's back and giving him a big hug and messing with him a little bit, calling him the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, that's, that's what we want. Belief and support and, and us against the world and all that stuff, not us against each other. But anyways, why don't we talk about our friend Malik Heath here? He is a rookie, and so although uh, you know we see him kind of further down the depth chart and it's like, eh, it doesn't really mean anything, he's a, nobody. He's a rookie. Mississippi Rebel, which is a team that I've really become fond of. For really stupid reasons, but it doesn't matter since I don't really like college anyways. I can make whatever ridiculous allegiances I want for whatever ridiculous reasons I want. And so I appreciate that. Um, six foot two, two thirteen, ran a four six four. Going back old school, looking at um Dane Brugler's uh big board, draft guide, whatever. He scouted fifty-six wide receivers. Malik Heath, he had fifty-first, so he was way down his list. But anyways, um, Again, 4.6440 at his combine, did not run at his pro day. 34-inch vert was his best. That was at the combine. 10-4 broad jump, 4.46 short shuttle, a 6.963 cone, 12 reps on the bench at his pro day. Out of all of that, the only thing he really graded out well at as far as his RAS goes is his height and weight. But he spent two years at uh, Copiah Lincoln Community College in Mississippi in 2018 and 2019. Then in 2020 through 2022, he was at Ole Miss. His receptions went from 307 to 442 to 971. Touchdowns 3 to 5 to 5. Grand total of 1,700 touchdowns, uh, 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns, 10 drops. Summary, as he writes it, 
Malik Heath was introduced to football by his father, Harold, who played tight end at Jackson State. He prepped at Callaway High and originally played quarterback before moving to receiver and having a breakout junior season with 46 catches for 1,213 yards and five touchdowns. He was the top recruit in Mississippi and committed to Mississippi State, but was forced to go to JUCO. Uh, was forced to go the JUCO route for two seasons. I'm not sure if the JUCO thing is academic or what. It doesn't say, but it says after two years in Mike Leach's offense, he jumped to the other side of the Egg Bowl and transferred to Ole Miss for his final season. Okay, so I was wrong. It was Mississippi State, then Mississippi State, then Ole Miss. I missed that. I was confused. I was like, Mike Leach is off. They don't think he uh, was at uh, Kapaya Lincoln Community College. Anyways, with an S. Heath has average speed, but is he fast enough? He is a balanced athlete and runs his routes with urgency, but he needs to introduce more tempo and discipline mid-pattern. He has a good size catch radius with strong hands to pluck and finish through contact. Overall, Heath doesn't have the desired speed or linear burst for the position, which are the main concerns, but his size and catch point skills are NFL worthy. Heading over to NFL.com, here's what Chad Reuter has to say. Heath was rated as one of the top 175 prospects in the country for his efforts at Callaway High School in Mississippi. He stayed in the Magnolia State to play at Kapaya Lincoln Community College for two years, eventually becoming a top 10 overall junior college recruit in the 2019 class. Mississippi State signed Heath, and he started six games for the Bulldogs in 2020 and three times in 2021 before moving to Ole Miss. Lance Zerline um, breaks him down and says the size and length are appealing, as is the potential to improve his contested catch success rate. But Heath lacks the burst to back coverages off or separate consistent against press man. The ball skills show up on tape, but he must become a consistent ball winner and play to his size. Heath has day three draft potential. Strengths saw a steep jump in reception production in 2022. Nice stair-step technique to back coverage off. Locates deep throws and alters speed and positioning to grab the ball. Possesses size and length to rise above cornerbacks on jump balls. Does well focusing on dropping his feet near the sideline and catches. Has a, has a chance to become a reliable winner on back shoulder throws. Weaknesses. He lacks takeoff burst and has predictable outside release. Needs to make route break and turn with better knee bend, drop too many contested catches that hit him in the hands, below average run after the catchability. This from another article here over at Pro Football Network. There is an interview here asking about his transfer. He said, I just like the offense. I like Lane Kiffin. Uh, I think he's a great play caller. Uh, wide receivers coach Derek Nix is a great coach. He pushes you every day. That's something I didn't have over there at the other school. At first, I was skeptical about it because the rival school and all the media and all that, but I've seen other folks transfer, so I thought, why not? So again, that's that's a fantastic thing to say. Hey, I don't think you guys are pushing me to get to me to get me to my full potential, and I need that. And so he left, and he went to another place that has an offense that he feels is a better offense, and has coaches that you know are more willing to push you to be better. It's exactly the kind of guys we want. And like a lot of our um, a lot of the guys we drafted, it's based on one year of production. Some of them it was two years ago. Some of them, like Heath, it was last year, right? He transfers to Ole Miss and kind of has a breakout season, and it's like, okay, so let's explore this. You know what I mean? Here is what Tony Pauline has to say about Malik Heath. Strengths, underrated wide receiver who consistently comes away with the difficult receptions, quickly releases into pass routes, easily adjusts to the errant throw, and makes the reception in stride. Tracks the pass in the air, gets vertical, and snatches the ball away from his frame. Nicely makes the reception on crossing patterns, takes a big hit and holds onto the throw, uses his frame to shield away defenders and protect the pass, wins out for the contested throw. Weaknesses must be more consistent catching the ball away from his frame rather than letting the pass get inside, lacks downfield speed, and cannot run to the deep throw. So let me just pause there. 
I don't think anyone's ever going to expect him to do that. You know, really, I mean, it, it just, it, it feels like, just from the description, not exactly the same, but it feels like sort of an Alan Lazard type player. Like, oh, he can't, he can't get down the field. He doesn't have a lot of speed. He can't get down the field. I know. <laughs> I know. I get it. That's not what he's going to be asked to do, right? He's not going to be your number one guy. But can he, you know, wrestle away the number four job, the number five job? Maybe. Anyways, overall, he says, Heath was outstanding at Mississippi last season and really developed his game. He possesses next level size and will be a solid possession receiver on Sundays if he learns to consistently catch the ball with his hands. All right, finally, let's turn over to our friends at PFF here. And um, it's kind of exactly what I thought it was going to be. It's it's actually what I was hoping it was going to be. His grades in 2020 and 2021, we know the stats weren't as good, right? 300 yards, 400 yards, and then 900 yards at Ole Miss. Here are the grades. 55, 58, then he goes to Ole Miss, 76. Receiving grade, 56, 58, 77. He was just better. He broke out, right? Different offense that appealed to him, whatever. They used him differently. They pushed him more. The point is, it's one year of production, but the Packers are going to take a flyer on him because they saw it. And they're going to see if that can be something that's real. Some of the other statistics, um, 16.2 yards per reception, which is really surprising for a guy that isn't super fast, but I suppose in college, fast is sort of relative. You know, playing against LSU, actually that's a terrible example, he had 18.1 yards per reception. I was going to say, you play against LSU, you're not so fast. You play against Troy, you're pretty fast. He had 7.5 yards per reception against Troy, so I don't know what I'm talking about. By the way, he is 23 years old, which is expected. You had two years at JUCO, and then two years at Mississippi State, and then one year at Ole Miss. It's five years, so he's going to be about 23. Um, this past year, 6.3% from the slot. When he was at Mississippi State, it was 0.5% and 0.8%, which is freaking wild. I don't think I've ever seen it that low before. Um, six yards after the catch per reception, 2.56 yards per route run, which is really, really solid. I mean, if, if you just look at the three-year progression, um, he went from 0.87 to 1.27 to 2.56. You get up into the mid-twos, that's really solid. Average depth of target was 13 yards. His longest uh, reception was 53 yards. He had five drops, which was 7.7% of the targets. He caught six contested catches on 14 uh, contested catch opportunities, which is 42.9%, which isn't all that fantastic. Uh, He had zero fumbles, forced seven missed tackles, had 41 first downs, five penalties, 115.6 passer rating when targeted. He does have a little bit of special teams experience, but not a ton, and it's really not great, so I don't necessarily think that that's going to be a thing. We'll see. As for my own personal thoughts, I went back and watched Malik Heath against um, LSU. I, I What I like about Malik is that he seems, as dumb as it sounds, like a wide receiver. He kind of falls in that Jaden Reed camp, not in terms of how good he is, but just in terms of everything seems natural. He doesn't seem lost. He seems real smooth. It seems effortless. He catches the passes pretty effortlessly. He runs his routes effortlessly. There's a lot of complaints about his speed. Maybe it's just because it's in college. I don't know, but it doesn't, it, it, it's not blatant, right? Granted, I didn't see him get behind anybody, but I don't really care. He ran good crisp routes, got open, and caught passes. I also think his physicality is very noticeable. You know, there's a couple of guys when you watch him, you see him catch the pass and turn up field, and you kind of go, ooh, man, he's going to hurt somebody. I would not want to tackle that guy. He's not that big. He's um, 213 pounds, but he plays in, in my estimation, bigger than that. I don't think he's the greatest blocker in the world, but I think he's got the tools. It's just he doesn't... He seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing. Sort of the opposite of him being a receiver is him trying to be a blocker. You see him kind of 
trying to do something, but he doesn't know what to do with his body. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. He's kind of getting pushed around a little bit. He wants it. He just doesn't know what to do. I think the Packers will be able to fix that right quick and in a hurry. So, um, look, am I am I a uh, Malik Heath truther? No. I think he has some Alan Lazard upside, though. He's a smaller guy, so I don't know if he's ever really going to be uh, quite as physically imposing. Right? Lazard was like 15 pounds heavier and three inches taller. Lazard was like on the small end of the tight end spectrum. Malik Heath is just a fairly big wide receiver. But yeah, I, I, it's hard to say that because he's not as big and Lazard was also faster than him. And, but, you know, again, I could see him being a role player, a guy that can, you know, be sort of a number four, number five guy. I don't, I mean, if I had to put money right now, would he win that job? No, I don't think he'd be number four or number five. But could he be a guy that kind of hangs on for a while and works his way up? Sure, I think he could be. And I think that's essentially what he is. He's that guy that's going to convert on that third and five in traffic, use that big body to just kind of box somebody out, catch the pass, take a hit and go down, jump up, throw the first down signal and march off the field and lick his wounds. But anyways, that is Malik Heath, undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss. Limited ceiling, but enough of a ceiling to potentially be sort of a number three, four, five-ish wide receiver. I'll just call him a non-premier wide receiver. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.